I called today's talk Creating a World That Works for Everyone. Not just a handful of people. And it's, it's in many ways, it's a talk on social justice and the awareness of social injustice. That uh, all may be created equal, but are, all aren't treated equally. In our minds as a collective consciousness and as individuals. And uh, some days, uh, you know, I, I rarely think of myself as not created equally. And yet I've got the aspects of me, let's face it, which some parts of society hate and would gladly see dead. And because I would be considered a blight on society, but I've never considered myself a blight on society. So I don't treat myself like I'm a blight on society. It doesn't occur to me. And when I came to unity, I really found out, oh, I'm good. What a relief. What a big relief to find out. Oh, and God, I'm good. It doesn't matter what society thinks. I'm good. And so to go about my business that so then I could go around saying, oh, you're good and you're good and you're good and you're good. I may not like everything you do, but, but you're still good. In God, you are, you are good. And so I don't wish your absence, but I, I wish to see your true essence and your true presence, but I don't wish for your absence. And that, that is a big relief. Now, I, I looked up, on Truth Unity, I looked up creating a world that works for every, everyone, and two things came up. Two things. There will be no justice until we relinquish our judgments. There will be no justice until we release our judgments. And then this next part, and this, this, is, this is just splendid to me. And I heard this stuff when I first came into Unity, and I don't hear it often enough. There is plenty for everyone in the inexhaustible source of all good. And, so, and, and often I'll get the argument, well, then how come some people are starving? And I say, now you just went to the belief in, in the exhaustible source of good. We must maintain... There is plenty for everyone in the inexhaustible source for good. Remember, Ed, Edwin, my, my teacher, Edwin Gaines, she, somebody brought up, well, how come people are, are starving in like in other countries? And she said, you know, there is fruit falling from the trees onto the ground. There's vegetation just falling and sitting there and rotting. She said, it's not about a lack of stuff. It's about distribution. So... Am I willing that proper distribu distribution could happen on planet Earth and that all beings could be fed? Am I willing for that? And some might say, yeah, but I don't know how it can be done. And nobody asked you if you knew how it could be done. Would you be willing to know how if it were in you? And this is a tough stuff because... We have to then explore. I don't think much of myself. I don't think very much. Of, I feel good about myself that I know it's wrong, things are wrong and I can complain about it. Aren't I smart? I know what's wrong in the world. Ah, oh, I'm genius. 
I don't know how to fix it. And then I begin to feel badly about myself. I begin to feel inadequate. Nobody has to know how to, well, somebody has to know how to fix it. But to start with, we have to start somewhere in the solution. And the solution has to come in our belief system. Do I believe there is enough for everyone in the inexhaustible source that we call God? And would I be willing to release my judgments about how it could be done? Am I open to a divine idea in order to create a world that works for everyone? You see, the people who believe in lack, their world isn't working for them. The people who believe in hate, their world isn't working for them. The people who want to kill another human being, their world is not working for them. The people who are racist and bigoted and prejudiced, their world is not working for them and hasn't been for a very long time. Would I be willing to help create a world that works for everyone so that there would no longer be someone who thinks they need to be racist or prejudiced? or bigoted, in order to be safe? Would I be willing to do my part, whatever that part is? See, that's where the retreat came in. Um, on Thursday morning, most people did not believe they could write a song. On Friday, they were sure of it. Oh, I had to laugh. Christina, she's not here. Friday, Christina said, this is not fun. Ah. <laughs> uh, and yesterday afternoon, she sang a song she wrote on pitch. That's what really blew me away yesterday. All these people that don't sing as a rule, they sang on pitch. Stuff that they wrote. Very impressive. Because they believed suddenly that it was possible. There was a pif an epiphany. And it's the same for us in living as beings on this planet. Can we somehow transform what has taken place in the past in order to create a beautiful vision of the next part of our life now. That was the retreat title. Creating the next part of your life now. You know, would you be willing to do that? Would you consider that? Oh, because we're always creating the next part of our life now. These people that took this retreat, and it's not, you know, anybody's always welcome. This is not to diminish anybody who didn't come. But suddenly they realize, oh, I'm doing something that will affect my life forever. And those of you who have come to retreats or you've done things, 12-step recovery, what have you, you realize you've done certain things that are still affecting your life now. There was a cause of good that is permanently affecting your thinking and your way of dealing with certain things. Now, we, if we look hard, hard well, sometimes we don't even have to look hard, we'll, we'll find ways in which we still limit ourselves and each other through our prejudices, whatever they may be. And what is a prejudice except, I think this cannot work. That's what a prejudice is. I think this cannot work. There's a statement at the end of the AA Big Book by Dr. Herbert Spencer. And it said, there is a principle which is a bar against all information and which is guaranteed to keep man in everlasting ignorance. And that principle is contempt prior to investigation. 
I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. When I was a little boy, my grandmother put Brussels sprouts on my plate, and I thought, oh, I hate those. She said, have you eaten them? And I said, no. And uh, then I ate one, and it became my favorite vegetable. I investigated. And, and, and so I, and I used this example at a 12-step at a meeting recently. I said, when I was 15, I went to a bar, and somebody offered me a Manhattan. I said, oh, I hate that. And they said, have you, have you tried it? And I said, no. And I tried it, and I still hated it, but I did a lot more investigating. <laughs> <laughs> Till you know, it became one of my favorite things for a while. And, and so, but in our thinking, we will reject ourselves. It's not that we reject each other, we reject ourselves first. I can't do that. I can't write a song. I can't walk across the, th the street. I can't do this. I can't do that. And I can't. And it's like, have you done it? And if you haven't, then you don't know if you could or not. And each day is a new day. So maybe today I can. There are several of us in this community who have walked on fire. I didn't know I could walk on fire till I walked on fire. Twice. In two trips. Twice the first time, twice the second time. And I was, I, let me tell you, I was nervous about that walking on fire thing. Who wouldn't be? You know, there's, I, I assumed I could because so many other people were. My teacher had done it thousands and thousands of times. People from here, I think, had gone before. I went my first time, and they, they had done it. And it's like, really, can I do that? And I was all set to go, and I'm standing at the edge, and there's Edwin, and my friends had just gone. And I thought, oh, no, I'm going to be the one who can't. And then Edwin looked at me and said, you can do it. And off I went, and I did. And I, I did not go, ow, 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 ow. I, I, I picked up my pace and I went across and people helped me into the cold water at the end. And then I went around and did it again. And a year later when I went back, again, I said, can I do this? And I, and I did. And I went around, did it again. I had other friends that went three or four times. I felt twice was sufficient each time. You know, I proved it by going twice. After that, now I'm just playing games with it and I didn't need to do that. I, 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 can, I can walk on fire and not get burned. Can I walk down a street full of rats? <laughs> I would tell you I can't. But of course I could. I could walk down a street full of rats. I don't want to. I'm terrified of the thought of it. But I'm sure I could. Especially if I had a teacher there who said, you can do that. <laughs> and I am... If I did that, perhaps I would release my prejudice about rats and mice and bugs and whatever. Bridges, heights. I still don't know if I can do certain things height-wise without losing my sense of reason. You know, there's certain things to let go of and it's like, can I let that go without losing my sense of reason? If you don't know what that means, I learned it on a roller coaster. It was about my eighth time in one day on this one roller coaster a lot of years ago. I was with my nephew here, and I was here all day long riding rides. And I thought, well, now I can open my eyes going up the hill.
And as we were getting to the top, I found myself wanting to climb up out of the car and throw myself out. And I thought, oh, I'm losing my sense of reason. So I hurried up and closed my eyes and held on. Uh, but that, to me, is what losing your sense of reason is. When we were at Carnegie Hall a few weeks ago, and I'm in the front row of the balcony, and whereas I say heaven is a local call from that height, <laughs> and I'm in the front row, I think, and I just leaned back and held onto a bar. I didn't dare look over the edge because I could feel myself losing my sense of reason and hurling myself over the edge of that balcony. I don't know if anybody else has ever felt this way, but am I really the only one that's ever... Oh, David felt that way. Yay! Uh, that's why we're together all these years. We're probably losing our sense of reason together. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't lose my sense of reason, and I didn't keep testing it. Because I didn't need to that night. I wanted to enjoy the show, not, not a close-up version and a fast way to get there. And, and so to pay attention to these things. Now... If I am with someone that I don't agree with, who I'm a, I am afraid doesn't like me, am I safe to say hello? Am I safe to greet them? Am I safe to send a message of love of some sort to them? Or am I afraid of losing my sense of reason and getting hurt? And, and I, uh, with people, I've gone pretty, I'm, I do pretty well. I, 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 it's wildlife that I'm having troubles with. But people, I can look at and I can smile and I can say hello. If I sense any danger, I can go on about my business. But at the same time, I don't want to exclude a single human being from my sphere because of judgment or misjudgment. I want to create a world that works for everyone, and it seems to me that if I look at you and smile and say good morning, I've included you somehow. And that's my way, or one of my ways, of creating a world that works for all. This way, I don't ignore you because I don't like what you're wearing. I don't ignore you because I've created a whole past about you that doesn't exist. It is not fun the, day I, the days that I see my grandfather's racism or prejudices come up in my mind. And they do come up. And when they come up, it's time to heal them. Social justice. Social inclusion. Diversity and inclusion. I believed it when I came to unity and they said we're all one. They didn't say all except for. However, they my teachers practiced it or not didn't matter. Truth is true. It was for me to practice. They were giving the message to me. And so, all inclusive. How do I include the person that stabs me in the back? How do I include? I had an incident come up last week. Somebody who I thought we were friends. Now I'm finding out she doesn't think so, so much. How do I love her? How do I include her? And as far as I know, this week I will. I will say, when I see her, I'll sit her down and say, okay, you got a problem, what's up? Let's talk about it, don't throw me away. What's up? 
why, why, how, how, were, how did you feel you were offended by what you think I did? And let's talk about it. Because you see, if I just tell myself, oh, they're just going to say this and they're going to, then I, I lose and they lose me. I invited a group here for Easter to uh, come to church, group from outside of here, and, uh, and then come to our house for lunch that day. I invited, and 10 people came. One particularly close friend of mine, or someone I work with very closely, said, I don't want to go to church. I'll come to your house. I don't want to go to church. And I said, you need to come to church. I'm not trying to change your religion. I want you to know what it is I do. I want to share what it is I do with you. You already treat me as a mentor. Come to my church. There'll be lots of people there you know. Come to, and he did. And, I, and this woman who's not so pleased with me, she and her husband were also invited. And, I, and, and they felt coerced. And that's why they didn't come. And it's like, they've known me for a long time, so they made up a story about me because they have a prejudice about church. And, and that, that, I'm not making that up. I know that's what it is. I've been told flat out from somebody else. And so it is a prejudice. For, how many of you, before you came here, said, I can't go to church. I don't believe in organized religion. I don't believe in it. It's like, oh, dear Lord, unity is so disorganized. <laughs> <laughs> You're safe here. <laughs> we may not satisfy all your egoic needs, but you're pretty safe from organization here and dogma. We're, what we're going to tell you here is in God. You are loved because you cannot not be loved. You are good because you can't not be good in God. You can be poorly behaved, you can feel terrible, but you cannot not be good. So us, today, to create a world that works for everyone, let's just start with this and the realization, I can't not be good in God. No matter what I think somebody thinks about me, no matter what anyone has ever told me in my family, on my street, at the mall, at work, grocery store, whatever. In God, I can't not be good and neither can my neighbor. It's got nothing to do with personalities. Next, I can't not be loved because God is love itself. These are not theories and these are not just nice things to say. To me, these are facts and they are practical principles to apply to every aspect of our lives. I know I forget 10 times a day, but I try to remember 11 times a day. Truth is true. And so, anybody's prejudice, it's not my prejudice, and I'm not going to believe in it. I'm not going to tell myself that I am somehow less than because anybody might be uncomfortable with what they think they know about me. I don't have to be. I am loved. Truth is, what I was told was God can't love us. 
because God is love itself. God can't not love us. I'm going to read a little something here. Maybe too little something. Any judgment that you make and accept as a belief in your mind is a mistake. For any judgment that you make assumes something within illusion is real. And within its realness, something is better or more valuable than something else. Judgment accepts as real and then separates. So all judgment must be of the ego. Okay, that makes sense. And then I look back here at Revelation. I'll just hum Kenneth's song. Ah. Oh, there we are. It's right down there. The hour of God's judgment is the hour of your release. For this is the hour when, filled with the faith in God that comes from the knowledge of truth within, you shall say no to all that is false. This is the hour of putting aside all that is not real. So only the reflection of realness can be experienced within the mind. Do we want that? Do we want to experience what is real? What is real? That which cannot be changed. That which cannot be altered with an opinion. That which cannot be altered. Truth is true. Love in its pure state is real. Love in its judgment state is not. Gang, let's all create a world that works for everyone. Let's go ahead and be the light. That's how we can serve today. Thank you.